Hello, this is Gerd Leonhardt, Futurist and CEO of the Futures Agency, author of Technology versus Humanity. Today, do another podcast about my book from late 2016, Technology versus Humanity, tech versus human.com. Uh, we're doing chapter five today, chapter five in the book. Uh, that's about the Internet of Things, what I call the inhuman uh, uh, net of things. And my sparring partner here is, as usual, Peter Van who's a content curator for the Futures Agency. Hello, Peter. Hello, Gert. Hello, Gert. Um, chapter five, indeed, in human things. So it's about the Internet of Things, but the Internet of Things, it's um, a vast subject. So mm -hmm. what do you consider as the Internet of Things? Well, I think this is uh, it's good that we define it first. So, so uh, some people call this the Internet of Everything. I think that's mm -hmm. GE language or the Internet of Things, or connected everything, or smart everything, as Kevin Kelly says. It's basically to connect objects and processes and devices beyond the level of uh, mobile internet connections and computers. Um, so right now we're roughly at a little bit less than four, bil four billion people connected to the internet on devices. And I think the latest numbers are somewhere around 40 billion or so already of Internet of Things. And that includes, of course, sensor networks. Um, and there's a whole bunch of companies who do with that uh, connecting sensors and, and uh, devices, not in the way of a cellular network, but usually a microcellular network. Yeah. Um, there's various companies doing that sort of thing. And, and uh, it's basically connecting things like gas, pipelines, environmental sensors, uh, surfaces like roads, uh, smart cities, cars, wristwatches. Bridges. Uh, bridges, like everything to monitor what is going on and to increase the flow of data so that we can monitor and make decisions and predict and things like that. And, and many times uh, the Internet of Things has been referred to as the next big step off the Internet. Cisco says we may have as much as, as uh, 600 billion connected devices in 20, uh, 2025. Uh, but, you know, in any case, it's getting cheaper by the minute. <laughs> So, so uh, you'll find sensors already for less than a, than a cent now, euro cent, and they used to be a, a fifty cents or a dollar for connected devices. And now, of course, the, the animals are connected. The cows are connecting here in Switzerland to with the radio frequency chip, and the the goods are connecting in the in the supermarket, and logistics are connecting, and UPS is connecting everything. So that's really what's happening is connecting absolutely everything, so that we can monitor and control and also derive intelligence uh, connecting is one thing uh, gert but what are they sensing for um is it uh, sound is it heat is it like for example the the cows in switzerland what sort of information do they capture well in that case it's easy because uh, the cow wears a radio frequency id chip mm -hmm. uh, on, on, on the, around the neck and then the cow moves up to the milking station and the milking station says, oh, you're number 47. Uh, and I know where I can, you know, which way I should apply the milk sucking devices, right? Yes, yes. Uh, and the cow gets milk automatically. So it, it, uh, it, sensed, it senses location in this case. Uh, location and form and shape and, you know, it, all, all the, the particular things that are uh, aligned with that cow having a good experience of getting milked. <laughs> and those cows, yeah. by the way, provide 20% more milk than the other cows. 
because they can choose yes. their milking at any time. But generally yeah, speaking, sure. the Internet of Things is about providing mostly very simple data, you know, temperature, for example. <laughs> or uh, if you connect parts of the airplane engine like GE does, uh, part of their engine uh, philosophy is to connect the engine. So when the, when the airplane pulls up, all of the data of the engine gets transferred to a device that says, how hot has it become? And do we see fractures? And we monitor all of those things, and then we can predict maintenance, yes. for example. Talking about airplanes, there was like last week or two weeks ago um, an issue with uh, cameras, mini cameras that are built in into the seats of every passenger. I think it was Singapore Airlines and also a US airline, mm -hmm. which caused a whole. So this opens a whole new can of worms related to privacy, to security. And Bruce Schneier already highlighted that in your mention in, in your book that this whole interconnectivity of everything, I think you have another name for that, is also opening a whole can of worms on, in terms of security, privacy, who can look at it, who has access to the data, and so on. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is that it's a combination of all of those things. Security is one thing, which is obvious. You know, As we connect everything, everything becomes more vulnerable to being connected. Like you know, if, if your car is connected to the internet, for tracking purposes, then in theory, I can I can have access to the electronics in, in your car. Mm -hmm. um, it, it goes both ways, right? So that's a security issue. Then there's a safety issue, like I may be misusing the information, I'm misreading it, or having the wrong idea about what it actually says, mm -hmm. or it may be delayed by some way. That's really not security. That's more like safety, you know, safe use, and and having uh, what's called anthropomorphizing. You know, thinking that this machine is, is like me in terms of censoring, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and mistaken information. And then there's ethical issues about, you know, once I have the information from you and how many times you've crossed this intersection, then I can have, uh, I can deduct different information from and have certain assumptions about your lifestyle, things like that, right? Um, so those are vast issues. I think the main, the main challenge for the Internet of Things and what we call the smart city. Uh, or smart everything, as I like to say, um, is that first we have the companies providing this kind of technology. They're primarily concerned with technical feasibility and price. Uh, you know, because that's been the approach of uh, all these providers like telecoms and others for a long time. So as long as it works well and the pricing is reasonable, uh, then they have a good business. And the ramifications of what's happening is usually not of their concern. Uh, so they're leaving the externalities outside, for example, saying, okay, what actually happens if a city gets smart? Right? They're looking at environmental benefits, which is great. They're looking at logistics costs decreasing. That's also great okay. in terms of uh, uh, vulnerability, security, but also uh, governance of, of this data. They're saying, well, you know, somebody will engage here. <laughs> and, and many of them are not even looking at security until now. Right? Okay. So it's it's an incomplete ecosystem, and that that is really what we need to fix. Or or you get players like Google, who in uh, I think it's in Toronto, yeah, they built this uh, smart city, but they basically own the whole infrastructure. They almost own the data. It's like a a, a big monopolistic player that is not even paying for it. I mean, they they are getting paid tax money to do that. 
Well, I think the, 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 the challenge is, is manifold because first, if you are the company investing in this and making it work and getting intelligence and improving things, that's a laudable thing, right? But then this may put you in a priority position uh-huh. uh, to where you are making decisions of uh, what is okay and what's not, which, which I think eventually needs to be changed. <laughs> uh-huh. so, so once, yeah, it's like, a, it's like you're, invent, you're inventing something and then you shouldn't be automatically the entire owner of that entire food system. Yeah? Uh-huh. Um, and I think there needs to be more transparency, more accountability, there need to be more rules about that. Uh, also, I think there needs to be licensing rules as to who get who can afford this kind of technology. I mean, imagine if all of the European cities get smart and we save energy and we, we reduce pollution, but in Africa or South America, nobody could afford it. Hmm. I mean, don't we need a licensing rule then that says, well, in that case, you know, we need to make it available very cheaply and we have to help them integrate this. Right? So those are, those are all complex issues. I think that this whole discussion about externalities that we've had many times, you know, we need to consider as to what this technology does uh, to the social system, to the security system, to the ethical standard, to the possibilities of society. And then we have to build safety nets and safeguards and uh, accountability around this. Like, you know, this happens to be the, the story of the new Microsoft uh, you know, Satya Nadella is talking about this all the time, how we invent stuff and now we've become uh, responsible for this invention and we have to collaborate to make it really positive. Even if you are the provider of the platform where others are building uh, additional servers on top, as provider of the platform, you still remain responsible. That's what he's saying, yeah? That's kind of what he's saying at the same time, of course, he, he does want to continue to build aut- uh, augmented reality tools for the army. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a difficult situation, I, I understand. But, you know, at, at a certain point, you have to take a step and you have to say, okay, we, we are engaged. We're going to go all in on this because I don't think the Internet of Things will actually be beneficial or will actually materialize if we don't solve all of the surrounding issues together. And I think that's been become the approach, for example, of Cisco. Uh, that's why Cisco is talking about ethics. That's why SAP is all of a sudden talking about AI ethics, right? Um, and these companies are realizing that if we don't solve this, we have an incomplete ecosystem, which means very expensive, very dangerous, uh, and not really ready for big time. Yeah, it, it, it sounds like your keyword is responsibility, responsible ecosystems. It, it almost makes me think of uh, what we had at the time, like uh, end-to-end supply chain control, but then for connected devices. Is that what you're uh, suggesting? Well, you know, that's a very good question. I think that uh, what I'm suggesting initially is to say, well, if we're going to have such an invention that connects everything and makes data available, then let's think about what what kind of authority we have over that data and where is it coming from and who should in the end actually open it or not open it, right? Otherwise, we end up, you know, the exact same problem that we have on the internet with tracking, you know? And that was considered to be important because tracking was the backbone or is the backbone of advertising. So it became a necessary evil, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And all of a sudden we realize, oh, Facebook is tracking us across all websites that have a Facebook like button. And that's completely yeah. different, right? So, I mean, we, sh- we shouldn't do the same thing again with the Internet of Things by saying, yeah, here's a good financial model uh, that, that basically abuses data and therefore it's, it's a credible thing to use it because that's how we're going to make money. 
But it's already going in that direction, I'm afraid. If you uh, look, for example, at uh, the Google Nest device, which apparently has a built-in microphone that Google forgot to mention, that it has a built-in microphone. But, I mean, you have all these devices in your house, just starting there. Yeah, you talk about the Nest. The Nest. The Nest uh, device, yeah. Yeah. So they're hidden uh, features or sensors in those devices that we don't know about. So I would feel very cheated. And I mean, for me, it would feel like a real attack on my privacy, knowing that there is a microphone in there that can listen to me all the time without they even have mentioned it. So let's not even think about uh, NSA and FBI and other officials tracking in another sense than advertising tracking. what would happen if we have 2 billion or more of those connected devices? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on this, on this challenge. Th- there's something that's going wrong here in the sense of saying, okay, we have technical feasibility, we have a good enough price, and so that's it, right? Let's move forward, and we'll figure out all the rest of it later. We can't do that when it's about very large structural things. You know? This is how we got into the mess on the internet, by saying that everything is advertising supported, therefore everything is about tracking and therefore is about a complete abusive behavior of most of the major parties that do this, right? Um, and so I that's think a- the key point you make here is that we need those different rules because we are talking about a different level of infrastructure, um, another level of intelligence that we are creating. Is that yeah, right? yeah, I think one of the things, I mean, I keep getting this question a lot when I speak to people at events, is that why is it different now? Well, it's different now because the magnitude is so different. You know, the magnitude of Spotify tracking my, my listening habits, yeah, that's, I understand that can be of a concern, but, but you know, this is, this is about music. But now we're talking about every move that a, that a good makes or, or that happens in nature or, uh, and that and that could be amazing. Or it could be it could be you know heaven or hell, right? Uh, it's an entirely different magnitude. And so when when magnitude is this big, like CRISPR uh, CRISPR engineering of human genomes, right, mm-hmm. and changing the germline, we don't just say, well, let's let's uh, you know this is let's try this out, right? I mean, this is like the people at the uh, at the CERN laboratory saying, let's make a black hole and see what benefits we can derive from it. Right? <laughs> you know, it's like, now we can't do that here. You know, this, is, this is a much larger story. And I think people are not seeing this kind of, uh, they don't really think about ecosystem. They think very much about the ecosystem, you know, their own system of saying like, you know, okay, it's working, go out and sell. You know? um, and, and it will not sell. That, that's the whole point. It will not sell, it will not work, and people are going to push back, just like they're pushing back, for example, on the health cloud. You know, having your DNA in the, in the cloud because, you know, who in the end will actually say that what are the rules of that DNA and my, and my genome available in the cloud? You know, nobody is going to safeguard that enough at this point. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you s- sometimes have referred to all this as the new meta intelligence. Yeah, I think that, you know. What does that mean? Well, we have to be clear, that's part of the, of the book theme as well. It's called The Global Brain, right? Really what people are doing here, uh, what companies are doing here, is they're building a, a new meta-intelligence, which means 
connecting other intelligences into a new one. Right? So we have the intelligence of mobile devices, of computers, of people, and now we have the intelligence of products and services and platforms and processes and, and the environment that goes into the same brain. You know, actually, Google calls that the global brain. Right? Uh, and as we're creating this new uh, brain, it starts to look a lot like Skynet, you know, uh, where everything is coming together and creating vastly powerful possibilities. And when we have a new meta-intelligence, then we have to say, well, you know, how, how do we democratize access to that? How do we spend the benefit? How do we control what, uh, what data goes in and out and what the X? And that is a public function. I mean, if you're going to create an intelligence, in my view, uh, this cannot be controlled by a company. I mean, that would be extremely dangerous because the company is going to be always tempted to say, you know what, uh, it's like a trillion dollars more or a trillion dollars less. Guess which choice we're going to take. Right? I mean, that's the nature of capitalism. So if, right? if is, so if it is not the company, who is in control? Who should be in control, Gert? Well, just like we have today, we have uh, rules for all kinds of things, including germline uh, gen genomics and, and of course, nuclear, uh, nuclear energy and so on. We need to have uh, global agreements as to what exactly happens in that brain, right? Like, where's the data coming to? Where's it going from? And, and uh, where's it going into? And, and, and what is the authority? And who guarantees my identity? And this needs to be done either by a, a, a national, uh, local uh, gremium of people or, of course, international uh, convention, you know, a moratorium that says, okay, we have the global brain, it's extremely beneficial, but here's how we're going to control what goes in and out and who's in charge. I mean, imagine if, if, if we had the same thing again that Microsoft had in the 80s, which is a total monopoly on the OS, mm -hmm. right? Uh, they can do whatever. And thankfully, they loosened up and it changed, you know, but we cannot assume that I mean, look at the Facebook problem. You know, we, this is the richest company on the internet. How are you going to tell them uh, to destroy their own business model? You know, it's just not going to happen. So, so we're looking at all these dozens of companies in this turf. Yeah? Are they going to put humanity over technology just because it's something that we should do? It's, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, there is a, a difference, uh, I, I think, because if we talk about control of nuclear plants, nuclear plants, for example, that's the nuclear plant business. So those people can agree about all sorts of uh, treaties uh, to avoid um, unintended, unintended consequences. But in this case, in this meta-intelligent system it's cross industry so it's nuclear it's genomics it's health it's finance well i think we should, we would still start in uh in industry domains for example saying okay environmental networks sensors oil gas you know all that information that that can be grouped into something where we say okay that becomes available in such a way for example we can also say anything to do with the health cloud and dna and, and treatment and and personalized healthcare and, and precision medicine and so on, that all goes here. And then there's a way of, uh, of safeguarding it that is partly supervised by a government body or, you know, by a public organization, right? Like, you know, having an identity provision of a sort. I mean, we have that now for banking, right? Uh, and that's, that's working because nobody would do online banking if it wasn't for that. Uh, and, and so we, that's something we have to build and that we have to think about and this also goes towards transparency. Like, you know, this, 
think what happened with Google Nest, I mean, it's unbelievable lack of transparency uh, that they would do these kind of things. I mean, what's next? They're going to say, well, inadvertently, we saved everything you ever said in the last half year. We're, we're very sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> the, I'm still stuck with the, the who's, who's in control. So you would attack it or start from specific industry angles like health and finance and so on. Um, well, I think that the control part is, is really, it goes, it goes both ways by saying, okay, we have built this that is uh, theoretically applicable as follows. And then we're touching on different domains. For example, in, in healthcare, with the Internet of Things, you know, for example, if I connect all my devices, my Fitbit and, and everything, you know, who do I trust with that information? Uh, I would trust the company that would not necessarily make money with that information, mm -hmm. but that would sell something based around it. But still, you know, if I would trust Apple with my remote diagnostic device, say, okay, mm -hmm. that Apple is going to launch pretty certainly in the next few years, we're going to see an iPhone-like device. That's my remote healthcare device, you know, for 100 euros or whatever, and I can cough into it, give blood, and so on. Would I trust just Apple uh, to, you know, even though I, I trust Apple more than others, but, but would I trust Apple entirely uh, just to keep all that data? No, I would, I would expect Apple to go and say, we have a trust certificate by a, by a body that is in charge of controlling such certificates, you know, and that is currently done on the government, United Nations, uh, global level in different ways. Right? Uh, and that is what we would need. We would need to have a global standard on how that is being supervised and what is the security, safety, ethical, practical systems. Yes, but if you go into the direction, not saying you said that, but if you go into the direction of United Nations level, then if you look back in history, you have also organizations like the ITU and the telcos organizations who are trying to get this sort of almost UN aura around them and they right. try to take to take this space like i mean we see it already now i think uh, we we noticed uh, uh, telefonica and deutsche telecom so mm -hmm. all these infrastructure players they suddenly have discovered the digital ethics uh, mantra and they are developing um, mm -hmm. next deal or whatever it's called these days which is trying to take the space I think that's, that's, that's good that they're starting to think about that. But the question in the end does come down to it. This is not a for-profit function, you know, to be in charge of the uh, ecosystem and the, the logic of privacy at all. I mean, this is a political function. Uh, it is a cultural function. It is a, it's a public function. Right? Uh, in, in my view is that, you know, either, for example, Switzerland would be very well positioned to create a global digital identity uh, as, as a product. You know, but under under government supervision, yeah. uh, it, and I think a lot of these things need to be talked about and and regarded as a as a challenge of saying, okay, we are responsible ourselves, but we also have supervision, uh, and this this would be similar to what the IEEE is suggesting, and you know all these bodies who deal with standards, right? Really, that's mm -hmm. what we're talking about your standards. Right? Uh, we need to find a way that that we have standards that everybody has to stick to. Uh, because that's how you maintain the quality of the system. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, just imagine, I mean, Bruce Schneer talks about this in the great article, I think two or three years ago. I, I think if you just check for uh, Bruce Schneer, like Schneier, Schneier, uh, Schneier uh, with uh, uh, click here to kill everyone. Yes. Uh, that, that was the headline of the article. Right? And, and that, this could perfectly well happen because, because all of a sudden the cars are connected, the airplanes are connected, the power plants are connected. Um, and there is ways to get in there and out there. And there's so many open issues. And yeah, somebody will take advantage of that. And that's only the security part. That's not even the safety part, which is uh, accidental misuse by users, right? Uh, things like that that's called safety like you know not driving safely and stuff that's not security and then there's ethical issues so they all that's something we have to put on the table to say how we're going to address this how we're going to make sure this is safe to use and i mean it's it again the 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 comparison with internet advertising is very close in many ways you could say that what we do on the internet today with tracking and advertising is not safe to use Hmm. it's there, there was another uh, comparison that popped in into to my mind, and it's obviously because of um, my 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 background in in financial services. But the sort of organization that you seem to suggest, and I'm using the word that you use, it's it has to be in the public domain. It has to be non-profit. So it's almost like a non-profit cooperative that has international oversight by overseers so that feels a lot like uh, the way how swift currently operates for financial transactions the only dimension that they in my opinion do not um, control or um, or observe is the ethical part so it's very operational driven so if you do this then you cannot do that and for security concerns you have to do this and you have to do that and Mm -hmm. those who don't follow the rules of the game we can kick them out really Mm -hmm. but the the big new dimension that i think you bring into this conversation is the ethical uh, conversation yeah and i think that uh, i've talked about you know we talked about that in every podcast meanwhile is the ethics council idea right the global digital ethics council uh, I think needs to be done on the, on the national or even regional level, and then global is to decide first what do we want, right? As, as Tim Cook rightly said in his video at the European Commission, that is the key question. Right? Do we want the society where all those benefits are there, but in return, I, I am becoming dehumanized? Right? Or do we want to create a balance? Do we want to be inefficient for the sake of being human? I mean, these are philosophical questions. So my view, first thing we need to do is to create such a body and say, what do we want to be And uh, as a majority? Do we want to be human or do we want to merge into being half machine, half human, you know, singularity type thing, um, transhumanism? What do we want? Uh, you know, in general, like 98% of us, right? Uh, and create the bottom line for this. What kind of life do we want? Do we want to use automation to create a, a Star Trek society where we have to work less and we make the same money? <laughs> or what do we want? And that's the first question. The second question is, once we have to decide what we want, we have to say, what does it take to get what we want? And uh, those are practical things like supervision of data, security, safety, uh, uh, you know, moratoriums, and so on and so on. And that goes for the Internet of Things and, of course, artificial intelligence. And then uh, also genetic engineering and geoengineering. So we have to look at all these issues and then say, okay, here are some bottom line rules on how we do this. For example, 
if you build such a system that monitors everything in the smart city, the city needs to come up with a policy guideline that says you can use this data as follows and not differently. Uh, because, you know, the temptation, this is the biggest problem, right? The temptation of what happens when you have all that data. I mean, talk to Google or IBM or Cisco or, uh, or of course, Facebook and other social media. The temptation to use that data in new ways, I think every, every day there'll, there'll be billion-dollar opportunities crossing your desk by, by saying, hey, do this because you, you can. Mm -hmm. and, and nobody's going to say no to all of it. We have to make sure that they say no because it, it, it wouldn't be accurate, it wouldn't be allowed. If not, we end up in not magic, but manic and toxic. Yeah, that's, that's the next chapter in the book. Right? So, oh, so <laughs> we'll talk about that next week. But uh, to summarize this whole thing, you know, I am convinced that the Internet of Things is, is, uh, could, could be uh, under Nirvana for so many things. Uh, Making, making things smart and, and, and connecting everything. As Kevin Kelly says, you know, uh, first we, uh, first we uh, digitize and now we cognify, you know, make it smart. Uh, amazing, right? Very good. At the same time, when things become cognitive, then they become, they have to be governed, right? Because they're no longer stupid. Uh, and stupidity has an advantage of that is there's less, uh, there's less risk from, the result of smartness. And that is kind of a strange thing because of course we want things to be smart, right? So that, that's kind of how I look at it. We have to think further, think globally, um, think also holistically uh, from, and, and, and don't take these issues like safety and security as separate issues, but put them all together. Safety, security, uh, ethics, privacy, you know, protection, free will, those things all go into the same bag. They're not separate things. Right? Did I hear you saying smartness needs to be governed? Yes. Well, it, let's put it in the context like this. When everything is smart, we're going to need more than just saying, oh, great, it's smart. You know, we're going to need mm -hmm. governance of the combined smartness. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, and like I said before, the, the meta intelligence is the result of smartness of every piece of the system. It doesn't exist by itself. So, you know, the, the connected wheelchair is not going to do a whole lot of damage when it's just that. But if I connect it to everything, like, you know, tracking at the traffic light or the road or in a supermarket, then it can, right? So, and this is the material difference. We're talking about the amplitude and the magnitude of these possibilities, which is unfolding exponentially. Uh, and then we can just say, well, you know, what's wrong with the connected wheelchair, you know? Well, nothing by itself <laughs> but when you put it all in the aggregate as google is very good at doing for example mm -hmm. is connecting all of our data then it's extremely powerful for for good and for bad things and, and we need some sort of i mean this role of keeping us safe is not the role of the companies well it's the responsibility of the companies but the role of keeping us safe and to creating guidelines is a public role yes. It's not the role of, I mean, we shouldn't, uh, this is the same discussion about Uber or other companies becoming the wardens of public transportation. I mean, that's, mm. that's ridiculous. Right? Yes. I mean, why would you do something like that that is a public role that is, that is allegedly not going to make money but spend money? Why would anybody even be interested? So, so this is part of the discussion I think that we need to have about magic, manic, toxic. Let's wrap up, huh? 
That's next week, yeah? Yeah, that's next, next week. So, so you can find more stuff about digital ethics. That's our top theme here for this year uh, at digitalethics.co. That's our newsletter every week. Um, just sign up. It's you know, only 100 pounds. No, just kidding. It's free. Um, <laughs> and then we have digitalethics.net. That's a blog I've been using. And if you just Google for digital ethics and GERD to find all my stuff. The book is at tech versus tech vs human.com. That's my book, Technology vs. Humanity. It's now available in 10 languages. And you can find out more about Peter at Peter Van, right? V A N. Uh, Twitter? That's right, yes, just Peter Van. Peter Van, and uh, of course, thefeaturesagency.com is is my company where we all work together on these issues, like 40 people that mm -hmm. deal with future issues. And my own website, last but not least, featurewithgerd.com, where you can find all the details about this. Thanks very much, Peter. Yes, thank you, Gerd, for having me. And uh, we'll talk next week. Talk next week. Bye. Bye.